Welcome back to another episode of the Old Turf Podcast, brought to you by the good folks at New Amendment. Season's over. Um, Travis works at Saks, the clothing brand. If you guys ever need anything, just shoot him a, a quick DM and he'll get you right. And uh, <laughs> other than that, I just watched Kevin get hosed down by seven refs last night on about fifteen phone or fifteen fouls. Uh, in in how many minutes did you play last night, Kev? It felt like ten. I think it was around twenty. To, am I allowed to say that? I'm getting bro and haha in the chat. <laughs> No, you can see you. You know, keep talking. Keep, talk, keep, uh, keep talking about how we're at Saks Fifth Avenue. <laughs> Continue. Let the people want to hear I more about. I that. think they're more worried about me commenting on on the refs hosing Kevin down. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's just a fact. Jesus. All right, Kev, uh, go ahead and explain real fast what happened last night because I watched it. It was one of the most despicable things I've ever seen. And I just we got to get something off our chest because I I couldn't. Don't get fined. Don't get fined. Uh, yeah, you know, Sacramento Kings, great game at home to clinch a playoff berth, 16 seasons without getting there, and uh, couldn't get it done in the home court. Some questionable calls against your boy. Uh, you know, was in and, out of the, in and out of the lineup pretty quickly in the first and third quarters and couldn't get back to it. I mean, it's just never fun to watch. I'll tell you what, I watch NBA games not as much as college, but I watch a good amount. It is tough to sit, and I watch pretty much every single one of yours, Kev. It is so tough seeing you get just the worst foul calls called on you of all time. I mean, I know I'm a little bit biased, but there are times where you just sit there and you're like, eh, it's because you're white. <laughs> uh, I'm glad you said it, because uh, there's definitely t- <laughs> there's definitely times I feel like, you know, there's some stereotypes, and, you know, I don't always think I get the best whistle, but. Here we are. You know, it's just sometimes how it goes. You pick and choose your battles. Uh, Travis, I'd also like to hit on real quick. A lot of murmurs going around right now. <laughs> a lot of people talking about it. A lot of people are saying things. Where do you work? Let's just clear that up for the for the podcast world. Where do you work? Where, where's your who is your employer? Let's put this to bed once and for all. I work at. Goldman Sachs and Co. Wow. West Street in New York. Wow. I apparently rumors were swirling that somebody said, "Oh, he works at Saks." They heard Saks, and oh yeah, he works at Saks. He sells Mike Amiri jeans on on Saturdays. <laughs> I don't. I don't sell Mike Amiri jeans on Saturdays. I don't. I don't. You, not, none of that. You're looking fly out in Chicago. Is that why people are saying it, brother? I don't miss a beat. We we know this. You know, we 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 keep it tight. Um, I had a I had a phenomenal pair of uh, carpenter denim jeans on. I don't think anybody's seen those before. Um, the ladies were loving it. What was Nothing actually really else to say about that? What was Andrew rocking all weekend? I heard we got some uh, some twenty thirteen Maryland Terps gear, the sweatpants, and maybe a Notre Dame hat to go with it. <laughs> that black Maryland pullover. Tell them, Trav, 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 and I have texted about this a number of times on the side. I'm looking at my Kith wardrobe over there. Got about eight, nine shirts uh, that I'm going to unveil here shortly. But secondly, Trav, you and I talked about it. Um, if you missed that weekend, believe me, you missed out. Like, plain and simple, I had over $1,200 worth of mini bar charges. Mini bar. Like in your hotel room. $1,200, guys. You want to grow up? Come party with me. You know, podcast is doing well, well, you know. I will say, I will say, he, um, if you weren't there, you, you you will have regrets. But the second part I'll say, y'all will laugh about this, 
is I think the day before I was gonna fly out, I I, I looked at my phone. I had 15 text notifications from Drew, and it was it was Kith 15 times in a row. It's Kith, Kith, Kith. He said, "I need you there. Get there now. Pick up my order. I need you there." Don't let these Did fools close. Hey, don't don't let don't let my clothes <laughs> you know fool you. I got money. <laughs> I, got, I got money. Trust me. Did the kid did it make it out to Chicago? Was this confirmed or? No, no, no. I I actually wore a uh, Mister Rogers sweater with a little pink <laughs> under thing. Uh, not pink. It was like you know. It it was a nice little blend. I got so many compliments. You know, uh, you should see how many pictures I've got. We can put that out with this video. Um, it was uncomfortable at some points during the night because so many chicks were coming up to me asking for pictures. I did I you know, I thought they were mistaking me for somebody else, but it, it was just the outfit. So, you know, don't let this shit fool you on that I got right now. I had a haircut. Actually I didn't have a haircut. Uh little hat action, little kith, you know, little sweater. Can't beat that. It was a Drew special, you know the, the sweatpants that have seen ninety six cycles in the washing machine? And the, like they were every, they're black and then they get a little grayed you know, out. We know what then, you're talking about. We know exactly. Not if he looked good though. My, Where my are guy you at, good. Reese? Where are hey, you? They were, you're in Maryland hey, right now. Where are you at? Hey, them things choke. Where, my man's are, you, where calves. are you? Where <laughs> are you? Where are you recording? My man's calves cannot breathe in this. Where <laughs> are you recording this podcast, Reese? You got really nice background. Where are you at? Davidsonville, Maryland. <laughs> Oh, nice, nice, nice. Gonna, where are you? He's giving out where his address you? now. He's giving out where his address. Where are you, sir? <laughs> <laughs> where's Andrew? Where's Andrew, Terrell? Fuck it. He's got a, I, I've got your social memorized, too, and your mom's maiden name. So <laughs> if we want to go there, we can go there, Reese. This guy's this guy's Mr. Shots Thrown. Guy couldn't even make it to Chicago. He was too scared. This guy's He heard so that we were going to the club. Pants. Fuck no. You, we, he heard we were going to the club on Thursday night, and, and Reese is sitting there, oh, I can't make it. No way. No way I'm making it tonight. <laughs> Had a time of our lives. Didn't get home until what, Trav? It was special. 9 a.m. the next day? 10. 10? Reese was already at his desk working. We d- Straight hold to the sprinter. Hold that real quick, fellas. Hold that real quick. You straight, stay out till 9 a.m.? Hell no. Straight to the Sprinter. We didn't go back in the room. We went straight to the Sprinter. We recorded a wonderful podcast. I was signing autographs on the way in. And then what do we do after that? We we sat courtside because we can. But you guys have heard that already. We don't need to go back into the details. You've seen the visuals. special. You know what we can go through, though? NCAA tournament. Terps. First off, that first game, I thought we were dead in the fucking water. I mean... We started out just like we did in Michigan. Bro, that was like the the worst nightmare, though. And that's what we talked about last podcast was like that stage and that moment can kind of be a little much. And it looked like to start the game, like we were nervous. It was our first time there. It was, oh, my God, we're playing or we're here. I thought, honestly, being the first game of the tournament, we'd come out, you know, juices flowing. We'd get, you know, we had a relatively old team, a senior team ready to play. And, uh, yeah, that was a little uh, that was a little nerve wracking the first ten minutes of the game, but we picked it up. I we went over the course of the game. I think I was texting you guys like it felt like we we're the better team. Like watching that game, Juju was dominant. It felt like across the board we were the better team. Yeah, nine minutes into the game, it was sixteen to four. So in nine minutes of play, Terp scored four points, 
and it was scary. I mean, we all thought the same thing. Terps are in trouble. But like Kevin said, they turn it around, and they look like the best, the better team for the next 30 minutes of the game. And I think it's a huge win for Maryland. I honestly think, um, I guess I don't love using the term, but it's kind of a rebuilding year. It's Willard's first year. And I think that should be the brand of Maryland basketball. If you're, quote, unquote, rebuilding, um, or you're not as strong as normal, and you can make a round of 32, I think it's a successful year. But now you need to turn that into a potential Final Four run. Which I th- I think this builds on on itself though, you know what I mean? Like, how many guys have played in the tournament before that were on the team? I don't think Julian's played in the tournament before. I don't think Jameer's no. played in the tournament. I don't think Don's Dante, played no. in the tournament. Dante's played in a tournament with you, Reese. So did uh, <laughs> so did Hakeem. But besides that, I mean, this now I think is a good way for Julian and Jameer, who are going to be our best two players next year for them to get a little bit more experience, to get more comfortable under Willard. And, you know, whereas going into the year, you have to think everybody's a little shaky about who we are. Now I think the expectation is going to be high. And like, you know, Rex Ryan, who's crazier than hell, has said, you know, you don't want to be under the radar. You want to, you know, you want to be the team that has the expectations on them and you want to prove them right. I wonder if in some ways, too, this was like a, a deep breath for Willard. I'm sure going to this year, it's it's a fresh job, a, a big time job. He's coming to Maryland. He's got, like Reese said, a quote unquote, it's a rebuilding year. He brought in a lot of transfers. The expectations are pretty low. And for him to kind of knock out his first tournament win as a Maryland head coach, I think he's got to feel really good. And it just, you know, the monkey's off the back. I think he's got the fan base believing in him. He's got really good momentum going into next year and hopefully years after. He has some people returning that we'll get to later in the show. But I think for him, too, this has got to be, you know, if you asked him 11 months ago, you know, if he if he's happy with how this season turned out and them getting a tournament win in his first year and getting to build, I think he'd take it right away. I think what was special about the win was, like, the way it happened, it was, it was gritty. Like, that's the type of win that you can actually, like, really build – your program on top of like a culture off of like we were down 12 points to like a veteran physical team we hadn't seen physicality like that probably all season and do we get punked a little bit at the beginning sure we were nervous um but for for the guys to kind of settle down and be the tougher team for the last 30 or so minutes like that's the type of win that you can say like next year we can hang our hang our hat on that like we are a tough team we get after it we defend i thought it was it was it, it, it was massive i can't i can't you know Downplay it. It's one of those things, too, where, like you just said, Kev and Trev, you kind of hit on it, too. No matter what, he still has two tournament wins now. He's won one in the Big Ten tournament, which is massive. I mean, we haven't won in the Big Ten tournament in what feels like forever. I think our I didn't win one. I think our last I didn't win one. was in 2015 with or 2016 with, with my group. And then yeah. we won one in 2020. Yeah, against Michigan State. State. Yeah, yeah, the COVID year. But so Or it. the... Like Mickey Mouse, the Mickey Mouse, exactly. Mickey Mouse, yeah, that whole thing was Mickey Mouse. The uh, oh, that's the game, that's the game. Uh, uh Juwan and wasn't that no, that was the next game. The next, next game, the next game was the game Juwan and Terge was about to scrap, yeah, yeah, because yeah, whatever that was. But um, so I mean, either way, you just have pressure off of you now, and even as a player like Jameer, like I know, you know, at least for Anthony for a little bit there, I know he felt pressure to win a tournament game. Because I remember when we beat Belmont in 2019, we were sitting in the locker room. And he tapped me. and was like, oh, he was like, man, I needed that. 
you know, we all like needed that win to kind of cement yourself into, you know, you can score 2000 points, but if you never won a tournament game, what does 2000 points really mean? You know? Yeah. You know, so I think for Jameer, I think that allows him to calm down as well next year, uh, less pressure. And then for the rest of the guys, you know, there's a new expectation uh, and it's always been the expectation, but you kind of see a pattern uh, that can get built on. It is. It's kind of like, I mean, it's, it's very similar to seeing your first shot go in. It's like right away, it's like, okay, now I can take a deep breath. Now I can relax. I can get into the flow of the game. Now, hopefully for the next couple of years and looking to next year, it's like they already know what that winning feels like. It probably doesn't feel like it's so much pressure in the fan base to just looking for a win in the NCAA tournament. It's like, okay, we can take a deep breath. We've done this before. Let's get this first one. Let's, let's like, you look forward to more than let's just try to win this first game and go from there. Like, I, I guarantee you the expectation of this team moving forward, especially returning Jameer and the guys that they're bringing in, is going to be not win one game in the tournament. It's going to be able to do more. Yeah, I couldn't agree because Maryland fans don't want to feel like it's the Mark Turgeon March Madness again. And for Willard to get that first win, because say they do lose West Virginia. I mean, it's a 50-50. It was a good game. Say they lose that. And next year, they're a great team. And somehow they get upset. It happens in the first round. All of a sudden, you're looking at fans are like, oh, no, here we go again. And Willard's going to feel that. So I think winning that first game is huge. Um, they get a tournament win. And again, they're just going to build right off that. And guys have experience. And they know the feeling of winning an NCAA tournament game. It's an incredible feeling. And I think now... You look at it and it's like, okay, we, we got to win. And I think the next step is like second weekend. Like next year, the expectation is to be second weekend. And Kev said it, like it doesn't matter if you're a one seed, a two seed, a four seed. If you go into that game next year and you haven't won one yet, it's like you feel pressure. Like we haven't won one. We have to get this win. This is going to be two disappointing postseasons back to back. And then it's all this, okay, year three, you know, whatever, whatever. Now, again, like they everybody just said it. We can go into next year saying like we got one. Well, look at Jameer. Look how Jameer started that game. He, uh, well, look how he played the whole game, to be honest, against West Virginia. Yeah. There were clear nerves. Yeah. I mean, now, granted, the whole fucking game plan was against him, like defensively. Like, you go, you put, you trap him off every ball screen. You, you know, jumped him. You put Tucson on him, you know, as a six man, you know, things like that. But still, you're still nervous. So I think getting one under his belt, I think next year he comes in <clears throat> and he doesn't worry as much. Um, which will allow him to get off to a better start more than likely. But more than that, you're just more comfortable. I mean, that's... that's and on a quick on a quick X's and O's in that game, you said it, Drew, their whole game plan was trap Jameer off everything. Every ball screen, trap him. He drives help. I think the best thing Willard did in the first half is he said no more ball screens for him because they, they were just doubling him. Like he, They were taking him out of the game. No more ball screens. So he was able to kind of drive and get downhill just one-on-one against his man and then it allowed for other people to kind of step up and take more ownership of the offense. But, I, I, you know, that was, again, a big thing because adjustments, sometimes coaches don't see those things. They don't make that call, um, but we kind of corrected that early. Uh, and also, just to rile up all the fans, because I know everybody hates Turgeon, um, or at least the majority of people do, dude still made three round of 32s, made a sweet 16, made the tournament like five out of seven years. Like, you know, we can, he won the Big Ten. You can say what we want about him. Like, the expectation is always going to be higher than whatever you do until you win a national championship. So I know, you know, we're sitting here saying, oh, that's a great, great job from Willard, you know. But again, we got to the round of 32. We got beat pretty handedly to Alabama. 
I understand the expectation needs to be higher and will continue to get higher. Um, and, you know, as we've seen in previous coaches and, and previously, you know, with other kind of bodies of work, nothing, nothing under a national championship or a Final Four is going to be acceptable. So, you know, I, I also think getting a couple wins under your belt helps, but it also it won't stifle any expectations over the next couple of years. Winning's hard. Like winning, winning is very, very difficult. I don't think people. I think people take it for granted in college basketball just how difficult it is. Even one win in the NCAA tournament, a couple wins, like it is very, very difficult. So I think you have to not take those for granted. And obviously, you're always going to strive for more and want more and expect demand more. But winning is not easy. Like celebrate success. Well, look, look at the at final you. four. Yes, this year and yep. You know what I mean? Bingo. Like you sit there and you're like, okay, we're better than pretty much every single one of those teams. Like even during the middle of the season, we probably would have beat UConn on a neutral, in my opinion, and we beat Miami by like fifty. Destroyed beat Miami. the shit out of Miami. Beat the shit out of those guys. So I also think winning a national championship is another like take with a grain of salt because a lot of luck goes into it. You know that my personal opinion. Now you know you should expect to win, but. Shit, a lot of luck goes into that. And even look at North Carolina. I mean, shit is not given in college basketball. They were number one in the country coming in preseason, and they can't even make the NCAA tournament. So it's not easy, like Travis said. And um, But I do think, as we're talking about, Maryland's going to flip the script and hopefully make some big runs. What was your guys' biggest takeaway from that Alabama game? Because, you know, we, I think West Virginia, it felt like, in my opinion, it felt like we had the better team. You know, we were, we were more talented. I think we had the best player on the court. I know Stevenson had an off game. And, man, it, it I was texting you guys during that game. It felt like every shot he was taking was going to go in. Like, he, that guy can make shots. Uh, so, luckily, he was off. But the Alabama game definitely felt like in order for us to win that, we needed, we needed the other guys to play well, the other guys being people outside of Jameer and, in a lot of ways, Julian down the stretch. And, uh, and we didn't get the production, but that was – it felt like, hey, we got this close at the half, but, like, Alabama's on the verge from breaking this open, and that's kind of what happened. I'm – I think it's exactly like we've talked about earlier in these podcasts, and it's the fact that I think Maryland is going to shift the way Big Ten basketball is played. I think we're going to get athletes – I don't think we're going to rely on having a big seven-foot center or, you know, s- some just massive middle center guy. And I hear you, Kev. I could care we less what you're saying to right that now. We get to get to that. No, don't. We're, no, yes. we're not going to do that. We're, we're, we're going to talk about it, we're, but we're going we're gonna to make sure the argument is very clear on what – no, we're going to talk about it, but we're going to be very clear because you're going to twist everybody's words and be like, oh, you said this, you said same that, I said this. We we're not, we we're not doing that. We have the clips. I will say what was said. The same thing we Run the tapes. Do. Run the tapes. Run them, play them back. We'll, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. But what I'm saying is they were so much more athletic than we were. Oh, yeah. And so you have two things to beat an athletic team like that. You either out-athlete them or – you are so disciplined, San Diego State, yep. and you guard so hard and you play, you know, you you box out every single play. Because Alabama's best offense is what? Go Not miss me. your shot and, and, go, and go, go, get it. It. go get it. Go get it. Just go, go get, get it. it. You know, and then, and then they'll have a guy or two that gets stupidly hot just like any other 
you know, AU team out there. Which so it's one did. of those things where, you know, I think Maryland is going to shift the way the Big Ten is run because of who Willard recruits. And then also that's a huge, that's going to be a huge credit to, you know, the new members of the conference that are coming in with UCLA. You know, they don't run a, a seven-footer down there that, you know, is just a ground and pound. Now, they're super disciplined. They're not an AU team. But you'll get these new guys from from especially the East Coast and down South that are coming to Maryland. And I think, you know, well, five years or less, we're going to be, you know, we're going to be the athletic team in the conference. Well, that's the advantage of being Maryland. You know, that's the old ACC ties. The people that are around us, the type of players that come from D.C. are not. We can recruit different kids than Iowa's going to go recruit, that Nebraska is going to rec- go recruit, that IU is going to go recruit. Like we have, we can get access to it in my opinion, a different level of player, you know, a, a more complete player, quote unquote, more athletic, maybe guys that would usually go and play for an ACC school. We can bring that to the Big Ten, which would just be an outlier. And that's an advantage you get from plainly just being Maryland. I think watching the game, it was, it was two things. First of all, it was the athleticism. We still have work to do left there, but I think it was also like size, size, length, Jeez. girth, all well, that. Um, whoa. I think the other thing is they just they just had a gear we don't we don't we don't have yet. Like they had they had guards. Look who's in the final four. Every team was in the final four had a couple guards who just got dumb hot. Wong and and uh Pack from Miami. The um FAU had like four different guards get hot. SDSU had this Tramel kid who's making shots. We we didn't have that guy this year that could get hot. Alabama had it. Quinterly had 25. Shot 25 makers. in the second half. Quinterly's a we, shot we, maker. Brandon Miller's a shot maker. Isaiah Wong's a shot maker. UConn is huge. Like San Diego State just guards, but but that's what wins the answer. You need to have two or three guys on your team that could go get a shot by themselves. Guards. 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 And we 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 were not quite there yet. We didn't. Like, Jameer, Jameer didn't shoot great the whole tournament, and outside of him, it's like, where were we going to turn to if, like, hey, we need we need to run a play to, to come back in this game. We got down 12. How are we going to get back in that game? But we've talked about it before. Like, Willard gets those guys. Willard's had them. Yes. Like, in the past, you look at his Miles track record. Powell. I mean, he got them the name. The, the list the is endless. So that is the guy, the types of guys he's going to get, and he's going to let them rock out and do what those guys are doing. Like, he's done it before. He'll do it again. And like you guys just said, at Maryland – it's easier than anywhere almost. It, it's like when we when we went there over the summer, Kev and Reese. Were you there, yep. Reese? Mm-hmm. Kev and Reese. We were sitting there and we were talking to Willard. And he says, you know, when he was with Miles Powell, who I think was one of the best scorers there for a long time. And then you have that other guard that ran the, the Big East for a long time. Miles Kale. his name. It, yeah. Well, no, and there's uh, one Whitehead, more behind Whitehead, Whitehead, Isaiah Whitehead. Isaiah Whitehead. Yeah. Whitehead. And, you know, he talked about it, and he says if they play defense, they can do whatever the heck they want on offense, which is how you win tournament games. And I know, you know, a lot of people say it. Seton Hall, he didn't win the tournament games, or he started out strong and didn't finish the season as well. Who really cares? As long as you get really good players, you play defense, and you have a guy that can go. That's how you win tournament games, in my opinion. And he, in that same conversation, he went on to say that at Seton Hall, which is hard to recruit there, I mean, that school compared to Maryland, that he was always one guy away. He could get um, the one one player, but at Maryland, he feels he can get two or three of those guys, and that's what he says he needs to go on and make a run in the tournament. Yeah, well, absolutely. that's what's huge about 
Jameer returning too. Like Jameer just bought him. I think Jameer returning like the the ripple effect of him coming back on the program for the next three or four years could be huge. Like it, it yeah. buys you right now again next year. Jameer pointing to say he could be our best player. Similarly, second team All Big Ten. He was mostly the guy on our team that we said, hey, if we're gonna make a run the NCAA tournament, it's gonna be because of him. Jameer Young, and this is for most teams of college basketball. You need guys to stay. You need some players sometimes that it's like, hey, maybe he could have gone, but he came back and he stayed, and that's how you build programs. Like if if Jameer were to leave, who you know who's our point guard next year? If we're bringing in a transfer, we're bringing in a freshman. Uh, now he stays. He, you start over. Now he stays. You still recruit another point guard. You still bring one in, but it's there's a whole grooming process. You know, there's by the time Jameer's now going to be stepping away as a fifth year, you have hopefully you know uh, either a sophomore or a transfer that's coming in that has had a year of experience, played behind him, and it's just like and he's ready to take the reins and ready to to move on with the program, and you hope that can kind of happen at a couple positions and. Hopefully Julian will, will also be back. But there's, as a program-wise, like when, when coaches can get guys like this to stay, and thank God for the COVID year, this can truly have like ripple effects for the next couple of years of Maryland staying relevant. This was I just want so to point out, like, everybody complains about NIL and pay-for-play, and now it's the NCAA is turning into the wild, wild west. Like, this is exactly what it was intended to do. Because three years ago, he's gone. Like, he's he's going wherever he's going, play professionally, get paid to play. Now he's like, you know what? I can make, you know, a comparable bag here in Maryland. more money. I might make more money. So I'm going to stay, yeah. compete for a championship. I love playing at home. I love playing for these fans. I want to take this program to the next level. Like, NIL is what made this possible. So I think this is, like, a, a, a big win for that whole concept to say, like, you know what? Like, this is what it's intended for. Keep fringe guys in college. And this, Kev, what did you enjoy more? take money completely out of it would you enjoy more college or like your college life or nba completely take money out of it i know that's tough because you you know you live in nice house go to nice hotels and shit but like take that out where would you rather be? yeah i mean I had, a, I had a great college experience i think if you were to say what i've enjoyed my third year of college or my rookie year in the nba like i think i would have been enjoyed my third year of college uh was looking forward to that but at the time, like you said, there was the NBA was the only thing that could offer me money. If this was four or five years ago, and and the threat of leaving, and and let's be honest, nah, like you're not you're not staying. You, you know, it, <laughs> <laughs> this, guy's, this guy's trying to say he'd stay. I would say, but a, a major reason for for leaving was like the passing up that guaranteed money. Like that was that was obviously it's like it's a life changing thing, and it's there's no guarantees. I know Miles Bridges came back and. He was a lottery pick, came back, was a lottery pick again, and maybe if I had stayed, I would have put myself into the lottery. But like guaranteed money was was a huge factor in that. And so if you told me if Maryland came back and was able to offer X amount of money, like I think that would have would have been a factor. It said, hey, like there's a chance I could stay because we've talked about it. I I did want to. It was a it was a thing I wanted to do. It just there was too much to pass up on at the time that. Like you said, you have Armando Baycott on UNC. Same thing. That guy's going to get a million dollars to come back to UNC. And he's like, do I stay here? Or am I going to go and, you know, try to grind and probably be up and down G League 10-day, whatever it is, or overseas? Like, there's no guarantees for him either. And so he did the same thing. Like, I'll take another year of eligibility. I'll stay at UNC, maybe the biggest college brand there is. And I'm going to collect a check, and I'm going to have a great time. And then, you know, my, my professional career can start after that. 
Yeah. And for Maryland, it's huge, as we were talking about, having Jameer come in because he's going to be a leader. It's fifth year in college basketball, yep. second year in Maryland. We have three, four stars coming in, but they're freshmen. So having a leader to look up to, like Jameer, who's a, a great guy and is all about Maryland. So having that guy there is going to be huge. And for those, we're talking about NIL. Maryland's NIL I, is not up there with certain schools. I mean, you see Miami, uh, $2.2 million for all their players. But I do know if you want to contribute, you can. Anyone can. It's Turtle NIL. It's kind of the pot of money they use to dish out the players. So anyone interested? <laughs> what are you, a booster, Reese? He's a booster. We're all doing Alum of the year. Hey, Screw that. We're all doing our part, bro. Hell hey, yeah. If you, if you, if you think we're going to get – if Justin Moore was going to Maryland, they said, hey, we can get you uh, 80000 Um, Okay, but I can go to UNC for and get 500000 uh, I like – I wish I was home, but I'm going to UNC. Yeah, absolutely. Don't let them say hey, shit. Reece. I don't disagree. Don't say shit. You guys want to get you guys want to like, get players got... or what? No, I'm I all thought... for it. It was just like timeout, timeout. I got I got I got my, I got my script ready. He sold the shit out of that. He could have sold it. It's almost like he got paid to do that. Reese has an nil alum, the first nil alum deal in history. Don't check. Hold up, Reese. Reese, what was the Reese? Let's just put it out. What was the website again? Where am I going? It's turtle. Andrew Terrell talking about he, Andrew's talking about how he's got this money. Let's put let's put that back into the program. Oh, yeah, don't let these don't let these clothes fool you. I I got money. Andrew Terrell just 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 promised a thousand dollar donation to the Turtle NIL Collective for us to win the Big Ten next year. Hashtag Kith dog. This is Tommy Bahama. Hey, don't let this shit fool you, man. Don't let this shit fool you. Hey, I'll also say this, Reese. You just said it really well. Uh, Jameer coming back to be a leader is massive because when you're a new guy, it's really tough to, like, lead right away. Because when we were there in the summer, Kevin, I don't know if you remember this at all, but when we were in the summer and we were playing, like, I think Dante shot the ball 5,000 times. Yeah. And like 5,000 times. I, I was getting, I was on the other team and I was getting driven nuts by it. I was sitting there like, okay, we're just going to let him shoot. He's going <laughs> to shoot whatever he wants. Let's just let him shoot. And I'm talking to Jameer after. I'm like, I'm like, bro, you got to like demand that shit. Like if that happens, I remember Anthony, our senior year, like somebody would do something. Anthony would be in their shit. You know, so I always think even like shit, even we were in people's shit about that. Like play how you're going to play in games. Guess what? If Jameer's going to have the ball a lot, give him the fucking rock, you know, let him do his thing. So, but it's tough. It's tough to be a leader. And I think he can start next year and he'll demand just respect immediately because of what he's proven this past year. It'll be completely different because he was, he was new. He was brand new. It's a new team, new scenery, new staff, all that. Now he's coming back and he's like, look, I was second. I was all Big Ten. This is my shit. Like, this is my shit, my team. And he plays the most important position on the court. Like, everybody wants to play with a great lead guard. doesn't matter what else is happening on the court. You have a great lead guard. People are going to want to join that. So it's it's almost exciting now to be like, okay, they have this leader to rally around. Like, what what other pieces do we get to kind of, like, finish this puzzle and see what type of roster we have? I mean, I love the segue into into team building, you know, putting together a team that could – win you a national championship and win in the NCAA tournament. Let's just pause real quick, and I just want to see these guys' faces. Reese saw the night that this all went down. Purdue becoming, pissed, Purdue the, becoming the second team 
NCAA history to lose to a 16 seed. And guess who was on that team? Everybody in this podcast, favorite college player, the most dominant most player dominant. ever in college basketball. Oh. The guy is the next Yao Ming. Uh, you hear this? He's the next, next great. These guys were on his nuts all year, all year. And our argument. Read his stats. Let's go back. No, no, no. We're, oh, <laughs> here's the thing. Read here's, his stats. Here's where the Reed's. argument is. We talked about if you were to start an NCAA team to win a national championship in terms of building a team and you get to have a fantasy draft, this is this was the argument. I said I it's would take Trace argument, Jackson right, Davis, gentlemen? and everyone on this fucking podcast laughed. Oh, my God, no, yeah, this, I, that. I agree. And I said, Trace, wanna, and I Trace, said, Trace, what, Trace went far argument, this year. Dude. No, Trace went far this year. No dominant one big man like Zach Eady wins. They don't win. Teams figure them out. We agree. The teams you're forced to play at their pace. It's slow. It's lumbering. Like no big man wins. Reiterating points that we agree with. Like I'm looking at the chat right now, Ernest. I I see you saying we have the tape. The only tape you have is Kevin saying over and over that this 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 we're the tape all, we're the tape you guys laughing to we're the tape of you guys no Zach we have Eady. the tape no, of us saying that no. he's the most dominant, dominant. the guy and goes he was, nat- jump he was national player Purdue of the year bro. The top I, five team it they shows he's Matt did you Painter's see a genius he's gonna find him to get him the ball they lost we, there was also this stat fdu they were like the shortest team in college basketball this year reese read the, the shortest stats. team what did what did he did do? Did you watch the game? He was guarded by four. He had guys yeah. hanging off of him like like babies. He was ineffective. Like he, I talked There's to, difference I talked between to looking at the box score and watching the game. He was ineffective. You didn't watch the game, Kevin. Like, I'm being dead serious. There's no way. And I know you didn't because you yes. played that night. False. You had a game that night. False. Yes, you did. I didn't you didn't play watch that the night. game. I didn't play that night. It was in D.C. I was hurt. He didn't play. I, we, I saw him after. But real quick, the thing is, look how bad <laughs> Purdue looked. And you can't tell me. He led them to a number one seed, to a Big Ten regular season tournament title and a conference title. And Purdue's team was that bad. I mean, did you watch them? They were wide open. I think I've never us, seen worse guard play in my if life. We had, okay. it was, in my they life. were as scared as I've ever seen a group of, of kids. Back. Bro, I talked to somebody I talked to somebody super close with, with Purdue basketball. And... It was shocking just listening to them talk about it and be like, how do you not make shots? Like, at some point, you got to make shots. Like, people can blame Painter and people can blame Edie and all this stuff. At some point, you got to have some nuts and make some threes. If he's the most that, dominant player ball, ever in college dribble basketball. The ball. What did Trace Jackson Davis was the do? Most he lost dom- by 20. You guys, this came out of your mouth. He's the most dominant player ever but, in college basketball, and they lost nah. to a 16 seed who was the shortest team in the NCAA this year. Kevin, those are facts. What did Trace Jackson Davis do though? Like they lost in the round of thirty-two by Trace by Jackson twenty. Is and more then, of hang a on, player. Hang on. Then a year ago they were also in the round of sixty-four and check the score. Lost by thirty-one points to St. Mary's. Like what are you talking about? I understand what you're saying. Like oh my god, he had a great year in the Big Ten. He lost in the round of thirty-two. Sucked. He was terrible. Like. When you, what do you want to say? Like, oh yeah, he went far in the tournament. When you have like, a player, they both lost. They both suck. When you have a player like Zach Eady, Zach Eady can only play one way. He he's so he's what slow. Trace do? He clogs what did Trace up the paint. Do? 
when you have a player like Zach Eady, and you're getting beat by an FTU and your game plan isn't working, you have nothing else because your best player can only play one way. Trace Jackson Davis is a more versatile player. He does more things on the court. He could play within a, an offense that has different layers. It's not just, let's set a cross screen and try to post this guy up all game. Purdue, that wasn't dominant. working. Yeah. That wasn't working. When Purdue couldn't score at the end of the game, they kept running the same damn thing that wasn't working. Zach Eady cannot do anything else but go stand on the block, put his arm up, and try to shoot jump hooks, and then get yeah. the offense rebound. Trace Jackson Davis, you can put him with other players, put him in different positions on the court that'll... Like give your offense different layers that can win at a higher level than that, what Purdue with one main big will ever be able to dominance. win. At. That's a fine. That's a fine point. We but have, also, move on. <laughs> put, put Trace on Purdue. We have to put move Trace on. on Purdue. They don't. They're not top four in the Big Ten. We ha- we have to move on because we will be here all night. Last point is just I told you guys. <laughs> I told you that. that's the whole point of this. <laughs> See, whole that's why I got to move on. Wipe it. Wipe it. Wipe it. All right. Glad we touched on that. Okay, now now let's just talk real quick about Kevin and I might not be friends after this. <laughs> uh, let's just talk about um, Willard. Let's. So I know we touched on it. Kind of, you know, takes a monkey off of his back of winning tournament games. What did you guys think? Whole body of work. Uh, think back all the way to the beginning of the season where we started out strong. We played really well in neutrals. We played teams well. It's a brand new team. Think about when we lost UCLA by 40 at home, and then think about the response throughout the entire year. What did you guys take from from Willard's first year? And then is a national championship a realistic expectation at this point? I know Maryland. I know I get all that stuff. But can he win a national championship? Yes. It was, it was an incredible job. We talked about before the year. I mean, we can't deny we did not think these guys – were very good. We did not. I thought they stunk. We did not think they were really, but they were borderline. I thought they were going to be a bubble team, at best. Me too. Um, in in a, in a best case, in a yes. best case was I think bubble team that gets in. And they, is what a lot of people thought. And they had rumors of some, yeah. And they almost were a five seed during the year. Uh, they were playing extremely well. Now they got to find a way to win on the road. Uh, that was pretty embarrassing. One and nine in the Big Ten, but dominating on the. Big Ten at home was incredible. Uh, I thought they did a great job. I think, as we talked about before, he's going to bring athleticism. He's going to bring the DMV basketball to Maryland. And like Drew said, sometimes in March it's just luck. Uh, but you create your own luck, and I think they'll have a chance to do something special. I think he gets high marks because, first of all, like we had a really rough patch in the middle of that season. In, in, in that season. Um and he had us playing some of our best basketball at the end of the year. Like, I think that's the mark of a really good coach, a really good coaching job. I think that we kind of built an identity that helped us win games at home this year and I think is going to become who we are in the Big Ten. I think that's super important. And I think at the end of the day, like, he exceeded expectations. So I I, I think he gets an A. For me personally, he gets an A. Like, one, two, three. But now the important thing is that was year one. Now it's all about year two. Like, it's great to do this and that this year. What will really define what the outlook is, is is how he builds on that next year. For everything you guys said, and then I also think he he did a great job of coaching to the strengths of this team. And, you know, this team had a lot of things that were wrong with it. You know, the depth was a problem that we were worried about going into the year. But we didn't have great shot makers, like, outside of Jameer, and and Don was a little streaky throughout the year. And, uh, you know, Hakeem and Dante, and off the bench, we didn't really have much much offense at all. But... 
he picked up the pressure. You know, we were scrappy all year. Uh, we picked teams up full court. You know, Jameer had the ball. We played in ball screens a lot. We spaced the floor. We slowed the game down. Like, that was a thing that I don't think we talked about. Like, offensively, we were very methodical. We played into the shot clock. You know, we, we limited possessions for the course of a game. And so it'll be interesting, like, you know, to see how he coaches teams moving forward. But I think this team definitely had, uh, you know, some things that were wrong with it, some downfalls, you know, and, that, and that'll improve as talent gets better and this program gets better. But I thought he did a really good job coaching to what we did have. And, and I know we just talked about the Edie thing, but that's what Painter does. Painter literally recruits people into a system. And that's what he's done for the past couple of years. And he's done it three bigs in a row. I mean, he had Edie, then he had Haas, then he had Hammond, you know, and I'm sure you could go back even to Juwan Johnson, et cetera. But like you look at how you recruit teams and you see success behind it. And I know you don't see national championships and shit like that, but you see a lot of Big Ten rings. You see regular season dominance. You see a program that is, you know, stapled in as a top five program in college basketball at the current moment, you know over the past seven, eight years, which is all you can want as a college basketball fan. So I think, you know, to Kevin's point, if Willard continues to coach to a system that he agrees with, and then he gets players to buy into that system, these are all Turgeon's players. I mean, there's no mistake about that. This is 100% Turgeon's team. The only guy I think that isn't is maybe Jameer and then the kid that came from uh, and, and Long. Besides that, I think everybody else is just Turgeon's people. So now think about if he can go out there and recruit to, hey, I want to play super quick in your shit, play hard defense, and you can get stupid hot at times. Well, you know, he's going to get four of those guys. Let me ask you, Travis, because you played it like Travis and Reese, I guess all of you, like you played against him at Seton Hall. And outside of, yep, they have have one dominant offensive player every year. Was this system we saw this year – what he was doing at Seton Hall because like you said Andrew like this could change as it moves forward year to year too as he gets his players in then that might change like was this what you guys saw from a Seton Hall you expect it to change I think it was along those lines on that path I think those Seton Hall teams were a little bit grittier in terms of like I think they were more ingrained in that system like they were more comfortable doing that they had been doing it for years they were older those teams were a little bit grittier so I think like the next step for us is to be a little bit tougher a little bit nastier a little bit more physical like there's a little bit more I think that needs to be done to kind of fully get us to the point where like because you guys remember like Quincy McKnight was like barking at us Yes, like he he was he, spitting on the floor, looking at me. He was going crazy. Miles Kale was kidding. muttering to himself for hours on end. Like those guys were a little bit crazy. I think we have a little ways to go. I'm not saying we have to be doing that. Like that's nuts. But you get what I'm saying in terms of like, there's a little bit more that needs to be done there. The thing that bro, do you remember sitting on the sitting on the couch in the varsity, and we would watch games like this is this is four years ago, or even how many years are we out of out of school? Five years ago where we would all be sitting in the varsity, like just eating food, watching a game, and it would be Seton Hall. And like, they wanted to play for him. You yeah. know what I mean? Like guys wanted to play for Willard. They're slapping the floor. He's slapping the floor. You know, he's barking. He's excited. He's fired up. You know what I'm saying? So like, we've been saying that he has a system where guys just want to go to war for him and that you would go to war with him. You know what I'm saying? And, and I so, think, like, yeah, this is the system. It, it took us a while to, like, figure that out. Like, 
and there, there's no shame in that. Like we played half the season, we probably didn't know who we were as a team. Guys didn't know where they fit in the system, so there's no absolutely no shame in that. But I think like as you get a year in, where you say like I know the system, I know who I am, I know my role. Like let's build on that and be a little bit more aggressive. I think that's the word. He, a little more aggressive. He has to recruit well though, because like Kevin asked at Seton Hall, they didn't run much offense either. Uh, last year there were spurts where we'd go seven minutes without scoring and we wouldn't call many plays but if he recruits well gets guys who can hoop and get their own buckets we'll be just fine but I mean when we played Seton Hall like Travis mentioned Kale and McKnight were cooking us they didn't even have their best player and McKnight went for like 25 because he lets guys rock but it's if you don't get the right guys it's a little tough but I think he'll get the right guys who can go get buckets and make plays so now on on the flip side, we're basketball guys. I think you guys are the best basketball guys around. What what do you guys think he could have done better this year? Slash, what does what needs to be better next year from from a coaching program type of perspective? Because we said a lot of good things about him, but like he wasn't perfect. Yeah, you know this team was a little bit offensively challenged. Uh, I think at times doing more on that end of the court. You know we're very like I said methodical. I think a way for us to find offense was posting up Dante from 20 feet, like backing guys down, forcing double teams. And you saw Hakeem sometimes trying to back guys down. Uh, I just think the best he can continuing to try to find offensive minded players and getting them to, to play defense. Cause you know, ultimately that's what wins. And the San Diego States are an outlier. Tennessee is an outlier. Uh, but you know, you you look at the teams that are in the Final Four right now, and it's a weird year. But you know, Miami's just got some got some dogs, and UConn. Yeah. I mean, UConn's roster as a whole is unbelievable. Uh, so it'll just be you know his roster building moving forward will be interesting to watch, and uh, and obviously this you know overall shot making on the offense side of the court is I think in a lot of different games this year was the issue. To that point, well, I also think good Reese. Real quick, to that point, I'd like to see more after timeout play calls and buckets. I mean, if you watched Michigan State, y'all can make fun of if you want about Tom Izzo, but after every timeout, it was a play for a wide-open layup or a wide-open three. And now, I don't know if he just didn't feel like he had the right personnel, but we rarely had that. You come out of timeout in a bucket. Uh, But that's what teams like Michigan State do. That's what good teams will do. So I'd like to see more of that um, in the years to come. Yeah, I don't disagree at all. I also think people, I, I think people forget super often that like it's it's almost you know to your teammates' point, Kevin De'Aaron Fox. It is really tough to expect college kids to make a lot of shots and not go on big droughts. Like I know plays really help with that, but you also don't want to come down and be Virginia and run a play every single you know, time down the floor and you score 45 points and you muck the game up. You know what I'm saying? It's nasty. So like De'Aaron, it, it's like De'Aaron Fox said, it's amateurs. Every, they're still amateur basketball players. And Maryland fans, I think you're going to get used to the same thing that happened with, and I'm sure it happened with Gary Williams, is, you know, people won't want to admit it. It's going to be a lot of high pick and roll at the end of shot clocks because it's tough to create your own shot in college. Just is. So, you know, I, I think while scoring droughts are expected to Kevin's point we just had too many like 19 to 4 is ridiculous like 22 to 0 is uncomfortable and then 16 to 4 in a tournament game is is ridiculous on a neutral so just too many scoring droughts even with the factor of 
you know, hey, these guys are amateurs is uh, is my criticism toward toward Willard. But again, he didn't he didn't have his personnel. He didn't have his guys. Who knows? Maybe he'll have two guys that can go get a bucket next year. And, you know, it'll be like Isaiah Wong and Nigel Pack this year in the in the tournament. But to Reese's point, you know, I think every coach, especially at the highest level of college basketball, you should have plays that you know will generate an open look. Like, you have to have them. And a lot of coaches... Two-corner. Two-corner. Two corner. Yeah, man. Two a lot corner. of coaches, like, they save them for the second half and they save them for the end of the game. But you said, if we're going to start off games and we can't score, like, you got to be able to generate a look. That's just, you know, I know that I'm going to run this play and, and I'm going to get a guy a shot. And there was, like you said, there's times where we didn't have that. You know what else college coaches don't do enough is run the same play over and over until somebody proves they can stop it. I feel like I watch NBA games, especially when the the moment is brightest. Okay, and it's different. Again, you know, give Kevin Ball the Kevin Durant the ball at the elbow. Okay, yeah. it's probably going to produce a bucket or it's going to be a good shot. Great yeah. call, but, coach. <laughs> yeah. But you keep, but you keep running it. They keep doing that until they stop it. Don't go away from something that you can get a bucket, even if it's the same play. If they couldn't guard it the first time without a timeout, guess what? They're probably not going to be able to guard it a second time. I think college coaches are too secretive with you know, their their go-to plays because they don't want it scouted. Guess what? It's going to get scouted. Yep. You know, I, I know what half the kid, I know what Cassius Winston would eat for breakfast the day of games. Yep. It's just what it is. So I, I agree with you. I think having more ATOs and actually running plays that you can get buckets more often is critical. To give you guys a bonus, like probably outside of Israel, the best coach in the Big Ten who does that is Matt Painter. Like it just felt like guarding Purdue's offense every year is just hell like they got counters they got shooters they got big men you know they're they run a pin down and then the next play they come in they run a back screen but it's the same action and you have to guard it differently but Purdue just runs really good stuff yes and they run it hard as shit too they run they run through that shit hard as hell and it's those counters you talked about if you watch Kansas State and you watch Izzo's interview he mentioned that they were beating them on ball screens early so then they got aggressive and that's when K-State started slipping them and they got a huge buckets off that so I agree. I didn't see much of Maryland this year running a play, running a play, and then all of a sudden, wow, did you see the counter out of that? I really didn't see that much at all this year. But something to look yep. forward to for the years to come, maybe. You know who low-key runs some shit? I, I wasn't familiar with his game. I have to apologize. UConn low-key, UConn be running some shit. If you watch, they got a little bit of pizzazz to that little offensive flow. Drew's man knows what he's doing. It also helps that, it also helps that they've got guys that are hitting shots at a high clip. That does help. Like this is this is super similar to at the beginning of the season when they ran through the uh, the Portland tournament. You know, they I mean they yeah. just destroyed people and then they you know go on a little bit of a lull, but they always have the talent. It's it's so much about who is making shots at the time. Like Miami was not very good in the ACC. No, we beat them by thirty. You know, did they win? But the they ACC? got hot at the right time. It's a it's a make or miss. No. Forget make or miss tournament. It's a make or miss sport. Like. It, it it really simply sometimes just comes down to that. And I think the most important thing you can do is recruit shot makers. Get guys on your roster who can make shots. Alabama. Like me. <laughs> like Reese, That's right. Reese, you mentioned K-State. Can I just say possibly the best play I've seen in years at college basketball was Marquise Noel, the fake arguing with his coach on the sideline to throw the lob. Like that was awesome. That was so cool. NCAA That's tournament amazing. basketball. That was like was your that savvy. Fake? No, that was... Hundred percent. I'm saying like, that. but like the R, you think that you think they sold that? Because yes. I was I was having this argument the other day. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't did tell. You, 
Did you see him yell to the crowd before the play? Watch this. Well, I was there, so I missed it. I didn't see any of that. I was she was going crazy. I he saw the clip the after. Crowd, he said to the crowd, dribbling the ball up the floor, watch this. And then got in an argument with this coach and then just a no look lob. There's no way I'm sorry, college kids don't have enough reflex to be able to do that without knowing. Was, yeah. In my opinion. That was awesome. I, I want I want all of that, more of it. And in the just like the perfect moment. Like they had no idea that that was happening. I know to catch Michigan State off guard like that when it's tied with what a minute to go. I mean, and Hogarth, a, a, a reverse a, lob. Leader Tom Izzo looked a, like a such an idiot in that play, didn't he? Yeah. Reese? You, you probably were just watching like, damn, Tom. <laughs> yeah, what are you doing, Tom? <laughs> a lot of, lot of, lot of dudes. Lights would have been too bright. Moment too big. Pissed down their legs. And, he and they're throwing reverse lobs. Reverse that. That was not at the garden. Lob. At the yeah. garden. You know, we I think the, it's time. We gotta let the people know what the plan is. We, this is the forward. sign off. The sign off for the twenty twenty. What 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 year is it? Twenty twenty three. Sign off for the twenty twenty two twenty twenty three Maryland basketball season. We got some. We got some big plans. I hate. I hate this moment. We have some big plans. We have. We have massive plans. So. So this is not. This is just a see you later. This is not a. This is not a goodbye. This is a one of those where you hug your friend. And you say, "I'll see you when you see you." You know, it's it's one of those. We'll we'll be back. You're gonna see us when you see us, but what you need to do is go follow the socials. You know, it, it's beyond the Big Ten. We need people to be locked in. This is you know, this is one of those things where, especially on this podcast, old Terps podcast, we had a lot of love. We had a lot of fan love, and we appreciate you guys more than you know. So we need you guys to continue tapping into it and kind of instilling because it is bragging rights i talk to other people in the big ten i'm like our fans are way better than yours ours tune into our podcast you know and they like it they they you know ask questions and they're vocal about it so continue doing that continue supporting beyond the big ten as a as a whole um and you know let's get fired up old turkey podcast is on top baby we're number one by the way we love you guys we love you guys a lot we talk about the the basketball guys having to want it more we as an old terps family all need to want it more together we want we got to want to be the best because we are the best but we couldn't be the best without you guys brings tears in my eyes this is special we're doing beyond the big 10 is a network of podcasts that aims to be your go-to resource for all things big 10 we cover the entire conference with shows hosted by ex-players and athletic alumni, aiming to be your go-to source of information and entertainment for your favorite team. Hosted by ex-Big Ten players, media, and insiders, our podcasts are focused on giving diehard fans and those alums an inside scoop about the teams and people that make the Big Ten Conference one of the most watched and most talked about conferences in sports. We're excited to talk Big Ten basketball with you wherever you may be. Subscribe now.